welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Harley. I'm joined here today with the amazing host who is uh, got a glare right now shining uh, through from the window um, and blinding me through the screen. Don Winsberger is joining us today. We continue our conversation on the book of Daniel. Uh, some wonderful words of wisdom as, as we learn to cope with a government we might not agree with um, and in a life that we might not have asked for, right? Um, a good good way for us to, to maybe jump on into that conversation. Before we get there, Don has had a lot more excitement than I have this week. Um, he's had an opportunity to go and learn at the feet of somebody far smarter than the two of us. Um, and he came out smarter. I can tell his head is, is a little bit swollen. He had a lot of information that was kind of pushed in there. Um, you maybe want to give us a, a, just a brief recap and, and maybe a plug for our brother who's, who's doing some fabulous work in the area of apologetics? Yes, uh, I happened to be able to meet with the brothers in the Dakota, Montana district up in Pierce, South Dakota on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Uh, retired pastor Robert Kester. He has written quite a few books, actually, that are available from, from Publishing House. Uh, um, he is doing, he is right now putting together a new book um, on Christian apologetics, and he, pre- he actually presented parts of his manuscript to us. Um, really excited about it because a, a really good, sound, biblical, Lutheran approach um, to the subject of apologetics, defending one's faith, and uh um, uh, just really charged about it. And really, again, the, the heart and core of, uh, of the biblical Christian message, it always comes down to this in our, in our message, in our proclaiming, our defending, our, our sharing Christ. It comes down to this, sharing Christ, giving glory to God. And everything, and, and as we give glory to God, and, and, and again, using, it comes down to sola scriptura, the scriptures alone. Um, and those are the only thing that gives certainty, not human reason. And the hu- reason does play a part in, 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 in us. God has given us reason, but it's always mastered by Scripture, and we are to never forget that in our defense of the faith. And really, in apologetics, when it comes down to it's not reason that, 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 that we're sharing. It is always, it, it is always the hope the certainty, sharing the certainty that we have. I couldn't have said that better. And that, is, and that is what comes from Scripture alone. I feel that Pastor Kester is going to have here what's going to become the definitive uh, tech apologetics textbook for Lutheranism. Well, with that, in, in learning how to defend our faith and give all glory to God, I think there's no better segue into chapter 2 of Daniel um, and so what we'll do is, is you know our disclaimer. We're going to uh, uphold the, the doctrines of which we, we confess to. Um, these are just our opinions that we talk about um, and are not necessarily the views and opinions of our called church bodies or the synod of which we are a part. But if you don't like what we have to say, uh, put on your big boy pants and uh, turn us off. And if you do like what we have to say and you'd like to talk with us about it, get in contact with us. We'd be more than happy to continue the conversation with you. Yes, Don. I just wanted to, because all of this study of Daniel just got me going, and I want to share with our listeners my Babylonian name. And my Babylonian name is Bell Rover, and it means he who runs with dogs. And so, um, actually, for just part of the year, uh, pheasant hunting is ending here this next Sunday, so... Just wanted to share that with people because I know that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all had their Babylonian names. Just wanted to share mine. So on that note, I'll hand it back to you. I think we need to get back into the subject. So when, when Don is giving his Babylonian name of the one who, who runs with dogs, I only could think of Kevin Costner and Dances with Wolves. I don't know why, but, but I, can't see, I, I can't see Don running with dogs or dancing with wolves. <laughs> 
rolling with them, maybe. <laughs> Hobbling after them, most certainly. <laughs> but but definitely not uh, <laughs> running with them or dancing with them. Um, <laughs> all right, getting back to our, our topic at hand. Uh, we are talking about Daniel chapter 2. Uh, we had started our conversation with Daniel chapter 1, and and uh, um, what a way to start off, right? Um we, we kind of got into this because um, Don and I had gotten very, very upset with, with everything that's been going on in the, in the nation today. Right. And, and there's just this tension that's out there that, that um, if the government changes, if the laws change, if things all of a sudden get thrown up, that all of a sudden the church is in peril and um, Christianity is going to fail and God's all of a sudden going to, 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 to lose. And, and so we decided that, that really the best way to, to, to talk about this is to go to the scriptures where where we see a prophet who is dealing with that, right? A, a prophet who is dealing with a change of government where all the laws are thrown out and everything is new and, and, and how God still preserves his people. And so we dealt with chapter 1 where we have uh, really the, the respectful nature of David or of Daniel coming through uh, and also of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego as, as they, they do what is right in the Lord's eyes, um, as they follow uh, what it is that their Lord has asked of them and give testimony and witness to it. Now we jump on into to chapter 2 where, where we're kind of in that, that three-year period, right? Um, where chapter 2 begins... In that three-year training period that that Daniel was in, and something big is happening, um, something something monumentous comes and affects King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, maybe you want to lead us through a little bit of of the beginning of what happens in chapter two. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Um, it's something that it's it's it, it's different than 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 dreams that, that you and I have in the fact that many times we don't even remember them. It's something that might cause a little bit of a stir with us for the first five seconds after we wake up and, and then probably fall back asleep. This was a dream that, that, that uh, actually got his attention and he realized uh, this is something that affects me. Now, one of the things maybe to look at this too is I think it's important for us to realize that in these days uh, of the Old Testament and even, uh, you know, in the days of the prophets, this was how very often God communicated with people, okay, um, through dreams and visions. This is before we as God's people have, have the accumulated wealth and wisdom of the, of the, of the Bible, um, which God directs us to look at now. Um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know what to do with this. It was something that troubled him. He couldn't figure it out for himself. So he goes to the to the uh, wise men of his day uh, and uh, and wants them to explain this to him. Uh, this is so- something here that is just extremely different, um, but it shows to me the intelligence. Um, and even some wisdom of Nebuchadnezzar and how he tries to work this out. I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying that he's a believer, but I can understand his rationale. As he gets his wise men together, he tells them, I had a dream. This is something that troubles me. I know that this is significant. I want you to explain it to me. But he doesn't want somebody blowing smoke at him and telling him what he wants to hear he figures out a way in his own mind where he says, okay, this is how I'm going to be sure that you're not just telling me a bunch of baloney. First of all, you need to tell me what the dream was that I had. And if you can do that and then explain to me, I'm pretty sure that you're just not trying to flatter me or to keep me happy. Yeah. And I, and I think that's an interesting thing because, um, and you know, in reading through that, there's, there's some discrepancy between uh, the EHV, NIV, and and what the the King James had said in that regard. Because doesn't the King James sort of give the opinion in this section that uh, Nebuchadnezzar forgot maybe uh, a part of the dream, 
And, and so he wants to, he knows that it was a very stirring dream. He knows that it was a, a, a dream that had affected him, but he had forgotten it. Like it almost gives the impression he forgot a portion of it and says, you have to remind me of it. And then the, the EHV sort of gives the impression, and I don't know if it's wrong, um, gives the impression that, nope, he made up his mind. I'm testing these wise men, like as you had said, I'm, I'm testing the wise men. Um, kind of interesting difference between between the translations in that. Um, and, and I think part of that comes from, and actually the explanation of that comes from, is that we, as we get into this chapter, and uh, uh, again, we can't see it in our English translation, but we see a shift from the Hebrew language to the Aramaic. And, and part of this confusion may come from, um, may come from even with us, uh, 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 with Bible, uh, with, with traditional Bible translators and so forth, we're trained in Hebrew and we're trained in Greek, the original languages of the Bible. We're not trained. We don't, we're not trained in Aramaic. Um, this is something that even actually, when you bring it up, it's something that I even looked at um, because uh, the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament, which is in Greek, um, even the Greek has difficulty trying to bring out these thoughts. I think some of it comes from the difficulty of un- in, in unclarity of, uh, of the Aramaic words here. And also for the simple fact, when you... In- you have a dream that works you up. It's very clear for a few seconds and then things, it's not. And so I think there is, there's, I think this is my humble opinion, um, that there is, that there is, uh, uh, that there's a possibility, both of those are, both of the explanations there are very valid and probably both come into play. That's my humble opinion. And I would agree with you. And, and, and yeah, the Aramaic makes it a very difficult thing for us to wrestle with and translate. And I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and I think more weighted probably towards how the EHV translates it is, is that he's testing them because later on he's going to say, um, I know, I'll know if you're, if you're pulling one over on me. Right. Uh, and in fact, he, he's so confident in it that he says, if I find that you are, I'm going to cut you up into pieces and I'm just going to be done with you. Um, so there's a, there's, there's a threat that comes with this um, test of knowledge as to whether or not they know what they're doing or not know what they're doing um, and if they're able to explain it or not explain it. I, I think the other one of the telling things that, that comes, um, and and I wanted to just highlight this, and it comes up in 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 really verse eleven, which is uh, the second response of the uh, of of the the sorcerers, the magicians, these these wise men who um, they're trying to come up with a way to just get some time. And and they say in verse eleven, it says the thing for uh, they said uh, sorry the thing that the king is asking is difficult. There is no one who can reveal it to the king except the gods who do not dwell with mortal flesh. And I like that section because what we are going to see and what makes it also fundamentally different for Christianity is our God dwells with mortal flesh. In fact, our God dwells in mortal flesh. You know, uh, we're going to see that in Christ. And this is something also that brings out here too. It's something that... uh, this is a comment that's made by my sainted semin- seminary professor, John Jeske, in his commentary on, wonderful commentary on this book. Um, uh, he makes a comment that apply, I find that it applies right here in this chapter, and it'll, reply, it'll apply next week when we deal with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is a lesson for me, and I think this is a lesson for all of our people, because we don't think this way. This is not the way our sinful natures think. We think that, that living, living means survival. No, living means giving glory to God. And when Daniel is threatened as being one of the wise men, and this tells us something about Nebuchadnezzar's character, he's, there's a crazy enough element to him to where 
if they can't help him with this, he's going to kill them all, even the ones that aren't involved. Daniel doesn't look at this as a matter of survival. He looks at this as a matter of giving glory to God and as an opportunity to show Nebuchadnezzar, here is the God who want, who is coming to dwell among men. And actually cares about what's going on with men. Yes. And and, and I think that's a beautiful segue into, into really Daniel's response, because Daniel's response is just that. Um, you know, he hears about what's going on because the executioners come for him, right? Um, the executioners come to, to gather them all up. And, and it's, it's the way at least the, the scriptures portray it, um, which is I, because the Holy Spirit doesn't lie. It is true. Daniel approaches this with, a, with an extremely level head. Um, he, he says very simply, take me to the king. Um, let's figure out what's going on. Uh, he hears from the king what, what's needed to be. He says to the king, um, give, me, give me just a little bit of time and we will have an answer for you. Um, I mean, he's very, very level-headed in this. Um, and then he turns around, and the first thing he he does is not, oh, woe is me, what are we going to do? This is impossible. But he he says, he says to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, which I think is convenient. He doesn't call on all the other Jews that were maybe present in the city. He goes right to his friends who who have sort of been in the thick of this with him, and he says, all right, we are going to go to the Lord, and we are going to ask for his mercy. And, and and I like that word mercy because it's different from grace. It's it's the idea of of um, Lord, give us what we what we really uh, withhold from us what we deserve. And the reality is, he understands what he deserves. We can't answer this question, right? So technically, we deserve to be like all the other wise men and die. But Lord, be merciful. Give us this this answer. Can we parse this out just a little bit further, but back it up just a step? Because I think it's something for me, it applies today. And this is something that I apply to or that I find applies to my own Christian living. How Daniel approaches, you brought it up, how Daniel uh, deals with and approaches Nebuchadnezzar, his king. Okay. And I want to say his king, because how many times are we hearing, have we heard in the last 12 years not my president. Oh, yeah, even now. Okay, and even now. Um, and the respect that David or that Daniel has in dealing with an unbelieving, crazy, and we're going to see this coming up later in the book, in the book of Daniel. Daniel deals with respect. Daniel gives him honor. And it's not because he's fearing for his life, because, and he does know that the king can lop his head off at every moment, but this is not what's motivating Daniel. Daniel is looking to give glory to God. Yeah, and, and, and Daniel... this is something that I have to remember with myself today, and I'm trying to share with my fellow Christians that I'm called to shepherd. My sinful nature does not feel that way today. When I hear and things that are going on that may could possibly be going on, when I fear about things that could possibly happen, my sinful nature wants to get nasty, start calling names, um, and and try to take things into my own hands. David doesn't do this. He works with the with the things that our God is doing, the authorities that that God has allowed to come in, and 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 works with it all within mind giving glory to God and actually witnessing about the Lord to a godless king. And and I think that's it's a really good juxtaposition to place the the two differences, right? You have all these other wise men and they're 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 trying to come up with excuses to say why it can't happen. And and Daniel takes the bull by the horns so to speak and says, "I'm this is a perfect opportunity for my God to prove himself as he is." And he embraces that opportunity. Uh, he embraces that opportunity, and he, and knowing full well that the Lord may not answer that if if he so chooses, and he's okay with that. Um, and we're going to see that, uh, as you had said later on in, in chapter three, right, uh, where where we're going to have uh, uh, the only little segue of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and and they're going to have an opportunity where they're going to stand up and say, "Our God can do this, but if He chooses not to, it's okay." Um, and there's that there's that little connection. These these both of these parties are doing that 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 dance of 
our God can come up with this, but if he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. And here, and he doesn't have to. And I like how you put that, Will. It's okay. Because as I, my sinful nature parses through all of the things going on in the present day. And as our listeners and many of our people who aren't listening that we're ministering to are trying to deal with this, the feeling of if God doesn't do this, it's okay, is not there. Or we think about it and we don't like it. Right. Right. And 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 no and and nowhere in the scriptures, at least in this section of Daniel, do we ever hear him complain, Well, I don't like it. Um yes. he, he kind of rolls with the punches and says in fact, well, you know, let's just before we move on, let's just let's just say his his word of praise, right? Uh, he he sings almost a, a psalm of of praise, and and here's what he says. I mean, this explains it all. He says, "May the name of God be blessed forever and ever, because wisdom and power are His." And here, this speaks to us. He changes times and eras. He removes kings and he brings kings to power. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have good judgment. He reveals deep things and hidden things. He knows what is in the dark and the light dwells with him. To you, God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise because you have given me wisdom and power. Now you have made known to me what was requested from you because you have made known to us the thing the king has asked about. Uh, a couple of things I highlight, just that in, in verse 23 where he says, I give thanks. That element is always lacking in our prayer life. I, I don't know about you, but I'm always apt to go yeah, to the Lord and say, hey, I, I'm, I, I go to the Lord and say, hey, uh, can I have, can you do, what about this? But I, it's always the give thanks part that I forget. Um, and, and, and so you see, I give thanks, uh, something so simple and yet easily forgotten. Um, and, and the other thing I just want to, to bring out of that is I love how he paints that picture. Uh, he knows what is in the darkness. I, I like that. He knows what's in darkness, but that last statement and the light dwells with him. I, I think that is just so telling. I, I love that, that image light dwells with him. Um, he, you know, God isn't in the darkness. God, God and light oh, dwell together. In him, there is no darkness at all. Right. But first John, but just because there is no darkness in him doesn't mean he doesn't know what's there. Yeah. You know, when I get a, I can, I can, I can speculate about when I, what I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven and probably I'm not going to have the fortitude to ask any of it when I get there. I fully acknowledge that that possibility is going to be there because I'm just going to be blown away for the first couple thousand years I'm there and not be able to speak, believe it or not, which will just dump on my wife and daughter. And uh, um, is this, I want to ask the Holy Spirit why this song was not included in the Psalter because it is just something that is so beautiful. And it is, it, it, it really is a psalm. I'm surprised that later on that, that the Jews didn't include it in the Psalter. Probably, and, and here's the answer to that, um, and, and whether you think so or not, um, the entirety of, the, the entirety of, of Daniel from pretty much the beginning of chapter 2 through chapter 7 is all in Aramaic. And, yeah. and and I almost can guarantee you that that the the singing Aramaic in the in, yes. the, in the sanctuary would be considered uh, sacrilegious. Right. That 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 was the problem. That that singing something that was in a foreign tongue other than Hebrew. Not that this was not the word of God. It is the word of God, and they recognized it as such. But but singing it on the steps of the of the church was was kind of yes. not a thing. And I think that would that would have been the the, the problem, but you, okay. So you see this guy sort of moving on with the story. You see this guy who who is not like like us at all. Um, and 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 also, uh, dear listener, just pause with me for a bit because I was thinking about it. When when Don enters the pearly gates and he gets to heaven, uh, the good Lord is going to wrap him in a very big hug and and give him back the ability to run with dogs. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I just had to say that. Anyway, uh, actually, I just want we need to clarify. I just happened to look at my my Aramaic lexicon, and uh, um, actually, Bell Rover actually means crawls with dogs. Oh, that makes and more so sense. That is actually more that is, so it is more it is more accurate. It is it is yep that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so we have have Daniel now, and Daniel he uh, he he gets the answer to um, in a vision is given to him right uh, the answer to this dream, and so we we have really you know if chapter one is the summation of of really going over Daniel's three years of training and then his service and then how it ended where he is given the ability to 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 really see into to visions and dreams. We're going to see this now, and it's not even three years in. Uh, he's still training, and he's given this ability. Um, and now there's some amazing things that Daniel does, I think, in in the interpretation of this dream, um, which is separate from every other wise man in the group. And, and some of the things that, that we... Uh, um, I, I think that we want to highlight is, first of all, he goes to the head executioner, right? And, and the head executioner takes credit for, oh, look, I found this Daniel guy who says he can interpret the dreams. You know, isn't that the sinful nature to try to take credit for something that you don't have a part in? Yes. I have a, just a little bit of question about that. As I was reading that, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, it's something that kind of dumbfounded me. It, and maybe it's just the way that my feeble mind works. Well, um, the execute David or Daniel had already talked to Nebuchadnezzar. He and actually, and the executioner already knew that Daniel had talked to Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, because Daniel had already gone and talked to him, and so it seems like the executioner takes credit for it after when Daniel gets things big, when the Lord gives Daniel the revelation. It, oh, okay. Sorry. No, it seems again. People, mind Daniel didn't know when he when he first talked to talked to, and so here when he did figure it out, it does make sense. Here again, it shows you the hubris, the arrogance of the sinful nature. Oh, if here I'm bringing them to you, King. It's it it's, uh, it it does make sense because David did or Daniel didn't know before. He knew now, and so that so that division there. That doesn't make a difference. Well, and and also I think there's something to be said that that at least for this time period, um, Ash Benef or what is it, Ash Benaz, who was in charge of them uh, during their training, isn't in charge of them because they're on the executioner's block. Um, so so I think you have a transition between who's in authority over them, and and I guess we're not used to this, but if you are a student and you come up with something smart your teacher gets the credit um, or the person who's in charge of you gets the credit. That that's, that's typically how it's always been in, in, in history that if you are a student, you don't get the credit. Your, your mentor does because they're mentoring you. Um, and so when, oh, that, that's not out of the ordinary. That's something that still happens in academic circles today. Right. But I, I think it happens even, it happened more so back then. Um, where where we see that so maybe it's not so odd for it's odd for our ears because we're like wow that's really a sinful thing but maybe it, it is a normal thing he's taking credit i'm in charge of him he came up with it it's my credit i i found it i found the diamond in the rough um you know the other thing that i i kind of would i i want to move on for uh, or, or move on through is is that daniel doesn't comment on that he he doesn't he doesn't take an opportunity to say, whoa, whoa, this guy had nothing to do with it, nor does he He really um, take credit for himself. Um, when he starts talking to the king, he gives credit to the king. He says, I have an answer for you. And he says, you know what, the wise, and he even brings in the other wise men. He says, the wise men were right. This is not an answer that anybody could have given to you. But, my God. Well, it, goes back to, it, it, it all goes to, again, his, his purpose here is to give glory to God, not to himself. It's a lot like Joseph. Oh, absolutely. And you're going to see this. It's a lot like Joseph way. with his interpreting the dreams of, of, of Pharaoh. Once again, there, King Pharaoh, this is not me. 
this was revealed to me by God. Absolutely. And, and you get some flowery language. Uh, Daniel, you know, like uh, he calls God the revealer of, of mysteries. Um, kind of neat names that he, he gives that are only found there in Daniel, right? Um, as he, he gives God credit for certain things. Um, but, but then the other thing that I found just really interesting is, is as he's explaining all of these things, and he explains the dream, and I want to get to the dream, but before we do that, I want to get to the fact that... Um, uh, in what is it, 36, the end of 36, as he's going to get into the interpretation, he says, so now we will interpret its meaning. And and, and that's and the reason I want to say that is because he's not only taking credit for himself, but he's giving credit to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And I, I, I think yeah. I think this is a guy, he's, he's, a, he's an upstanding, straight shooting, um, he, he's not... He, the hubris that we would normally say of somebody that was in his position, uh, it doesn't seem to come out as as hubris. He's he's very gracious in saying, "This isn't just me. That the, these guys also were a part of it. I might be the spokesman, but but we were all in this, um, and we're in this together." Yes. Um, once again, it come it comes to this. Uh, uh, to me, again, these are just such life lessons for for what we're going through, right? What we're living in right now and what we could possibly be living in in the future. Um, it's something that I want to go back. It's just something I want to go back to again and again and again in this. Um, uh, it's so much, it, it, and hey, even when, even when things are going good, it's always me, 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 me. It's either me, 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 me in my relationship to God, and it's me, 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 me in my relationship with my fellow man. Now, I'm not saying that Daniel here is perfect, um, but once again, it comes back to his philosophy of life and his philosophy for the 60 years that are going to come ahead of him. Life is not survival. It's about giving God glory. And we give God glory in our direct relationship with him, and we give God glory in our relationship with one another. Yeah. And and Daniel seems Daniel seems to have a good grip on this. Um, of course, Daniel Daniel doesn't tell us every instance in every single year of Daniel's life. But you know what? Daniel was living through a difficult time and a difficult period of history for for him, his people, and even himself. And, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to dig into this book with you and with our, with our listeners is I want to keep my sanity through this. And this is how I see Daniel keeping his sanity. Well, and you know, I, and, and picking up on that, um, I think Daniel keeps his sanity in the real, in the reality that God frees us to serve other people. Um, and and that's that's really where the sanity comes from. His where he keeps saying is because Daniel realizes that he's not grabbing up all of the stuff for himself. He, he's not trying to do whatever he can to accumulate power for himself, even though God gives it to him. Right? God gives him these authorities. God gives him this uh, these abilities. God gives him these positions within the government. But it's all for the sole purpose of helping people. And and, and maybe that's where we have lost our our focus as a church. And maybe this is another podcast uh, uh, question for a very future date. But the idea of of have we lost in the church as a whole the the freedom that comes in service to people. And and and, and I'm not and I'm not saying that you know oh we have a food pantry or oh we do this or that. I'm saying that that really the overall idea of of what it is to be a Christian is to is to love our Lord and to serve people in in freedom. And, and look at what's going on right now, because it, and I'm glad you brought that up, freedom in serving people. And is the Lord opening up, us up opportunities here, not only for you and me as pastors, but for our listeners as, as God's people sitting in the pew, holy priest, a holy priesthood living out in the world, in their neighborhoods, and as this stuff is going on and there's so much angst, is he opening up opportunities for us to serve, to comfort, um, and to bring stability, um, and, to, and to bring stability I would through, agree. through the word? 
And I would think so. And I, I use that word, a holy priesthood. What was the whole job of a priesthood? Uh, Old Testament job of Levitical priests was to serve the rest of the tribes. That that was their job. Their job was job of service. Um, and and in service they were provided for. Um, in service they had nothing that they would ever need or want. Um, and, and isn't that the life? Like you said, isn't that the life of the Christian to 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 be this holy priesthood in the world? that we are showing the love of Christ as he first gave it to us, but that love of Christ is, is in service to others as he served us. Well, and doesn't, this is a nice segue then into, I'd like you to, to tell, uh, to, to tell us, to give us Daniel's account. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was he had and the interpretation, because we really get to that, don't we, in the interpretation? Oh, we do, especially at the end. Um, yes. So, so here's the interpretation. Um, first of all, he tells him what the dream is, and, and what he dreams is is a statue, um, statue of a man that is both brilliant and beautiful and terrifying, um, which I, I kind of take as a as a commentary of almost every single nation that has ever walked the face of this earth. They are beautiful and yet terrifying, <laughs> um, and and. <laughs> <laughs> and the first one is is made of gold, right? It, it's the head. It's made of gold. And then you have the torso and the shoulders and the arms that are, are made of silver. And then you have the abdomen up to the thighs that are made of bronze. And then you have the, the legs that are iron. And then it goes down into the feet that are, are made of an iron and clay, hardened clay mix. And, and of course, you look at that and you say, you know, um, that that bottom is kind of weak. That bot, I mean, the, the statue could topple, uh, topple at any time because of that iron and clay mix. And then Daniel goes on to dis- to really describe for us um, who those what what this interpretation is. What are these nations? Uh, I should also probably add that in his dream he also had a rock cleaved from from the earth, right? Um, not by human hands, and and it destroys the statue, and then all of a sudden. It grows, and as it grows, the, the the statue and all of its parts don't crumble. They they're blown away. They're obliterated. They're gone forever. And the only thing that remains is is this mountain where that stone had hit, um, and and now there's a mountain that takes over the earth. And so the interpretation is is well, as you could assume, um, with flowery words and speech, he says, you know, pretty much Nebuchadnezzar, your your kingdom of Babylon is is the gold head. And then from you, uh, another nation will rise when you when you crumble when when Babylon goes down, and that would be the one that will 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 take up. Um, and there will be two leaders, right? This idea of two leaders. Um, we know from history, Medes and the Persians. They came right after the Babylonians, and and you have the two kingdoms uh, that combined into one ruling class: the Medes and the Persians. That's why they're called the Medes and the Persians. After that, you have the bronze, which is going to rule all of the earth, it says, and that was the, the rise of the Greeks uh, under Alexander, uh, very heavily into the bronze age and, and using the bronze swords and things of that nature. Uh, conquering them, you have uh, uh, those who have the strength of iron. We know that to be Rome. Rome ruled because of their strength of swords in, in the iron fields. Um, and so you have this idea of, of these kingdoms coming, and then, interestingly enough, you have where, where he dis- depicts what's going on, which I think is very telling even for us today, um, depicts what's going on with, with Rome in, or with the, the iron in the feet. And he says that it's a mixture of clay and a mixture of iron. And, and he says it so beautifully. And, and I'm going to just highlight what he says in verse 43. Uh, it says, uh, you saw iron mixed with common clay. This means that the different parts of the kingdom will be a mixture of different races of people, and they will not remain united to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. And, and I and I underlined that section and bolded that section because that was really the problem. The problem wasn't that it was a mixture of different people. The problem is, is that it was a mixture of different people that were not united and, and couldn't be united. And, and this is, and the reason I, I highlighted that is because it's really focusing on our, our purpose, right? You know, we, we, we say and spend all over the news, unity, 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 right? That's what we want, unity. 
But but look at how the two different people try to produce, or the two different government structures try to produce unity. One tries to produce unity by saying, um, we are going to shame you, we are going to cancel you, we are going to scrub you out or force you to to agree with what we want. That's unity. The other one says, the other one says we will find unity in everybody um, voicing whatever opinion that they want, uh, being able to say whatever they want, uh, and we call that freedom. And, and really, what we find is the true unity only can come in in well, I would say Christ, who brings us together and says, uh, "You're all the same." And now I will make you my brothers and I'm going to make you my sisters and you're all going to be under my flag and my banner. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, what a commentary, right? On, on, on that section of the statue. Yes. And, and once, and, and, and once again, it's, uh, it, it comes down to, um, again, who gets glory in this and it comes down to Christ um, Christ, the head of the church, um, and uh, and once again, that's where we that, that that's where one finds finds true peace, happiness, guidance, or whatever. Um, you know, uh, uh, I like I like how you brought that up because this is because this vision this vision covers from the time of Daniel up until the end of time. Absolutely. Because he does, he says, this is the covering of the later days. This is this is the indefinite future, right? And and we've all tried it. Um, we've tried to say that our future rests in unity, but there's only two ways for for unity. There's 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 the way that we attempt to try to find unity in the world as sinful human beings, and usually that is you have to agree with what I tell you. Uh, you have to do what I tell you. You have to have my opinion over your opinion however you want to paint it. And then there's, then there's the true unity that comes that's formed in, in godly purpose, right? Um, a, a true unity that comes in, in not just having a flash in the pan, we're going to come together for this reason and then we can be, go our separate ways, but, but really is, is a life brought together outside of ourselves. And I think that's the best way to say it, that, that, that this unity that, that we are striving for is a unity that is given to us outside of us. And, and it, it obliterates all of the things that would stand in the way, and it reforms us into what truly is, is, is going to be the ruler of the world, which is the church of God and, and the body of Christ. And once again, it comes down to where it... Where it where it really translates into this too. It's just something that, because it, 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 it all, it all culminates in this, which really applies right now, because we're not, we're not saying that, you know, just so that there's no confusion with our people, we're not saying that uh, the only way the United States is going to be saved is that if Christianity takes over and runs the government. No, we're not, we're not espousing something like that. What we're saying is, True unity, true peace. It again, it, it all comes from. It all comes through Christ, the peace that passes all understand, surpasses all understanding. And I really like this how Professor Jeske puts this in his commentary on this wonderful book. It comes. It all, at least in my mind, it helps me to fit things together. Life is not survival, and that is how my sinful nature thinks. It is not survival. It's not survival of the fittest. It's not trying to beat death. It's not trying to do whatever I can to keep going. It is about giving God glory. And and my sinful nature forgets that. Um, living is giving God glory. And that means accepting the bad, rejoicing in the good, and knowing that in all things God's in control and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against his people, even if we die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it brings back it brings back what the New Testament will eventually say in the um that our lives are a living sacrifice, right? Um and that in and of itself should bring into your head the idea and the reality that it's not going to be easy and it's not going to always be pleasant. And 
and I, and I shamefully say this, but I'm starting to realize this. I'm a slow learner and, uh, sad to say I'm a slower learner than the people who sit in the pew and listen to me. Um, is the fact that I, as I'm starting to look at this, as you know, I'm starting to look at, at our situation today as, 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 as not as an opportunity to complain, to worry, to fret, to despair, but looking at it as an opportunity to share Christ and to give God glory. Because it's what, it's all what we've always needed. It's what we needed before the angst started. And it's still what we need now that it's starting to ramp up. Right. And, and, the, and the more the angst will ramp up, the more we need to have Christ presented first and foremost. Right? Uh, the, the, yeah. You know, um, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Right? And, and that's what we forget. Because, because we so often in this world want to, when, whenever we confront sin, whenever we see sin, whenever we, we, we encounter sin, what we want to do is we want to take out our sledgehammer of the law and we want to beat it down. And then we want to continue to beat it down and continue to beat it down and continue to beat it down. And, and in the idea that if we continue to beat it down, that will be the solve the, the, the salvation of it, that, that that will fix it. But the law doesn't fix it. You know, it, it maybe beats it down until it figures out a way to squirm out from underneath it. it. It doesn't take it away. What takes it away is the gospel that utterly destroys it. <laughs> and, and, and it blows away on the chaff as the chaff in the wind. Um, it's the gospel that, that utterly preaches to the heart that says, this heart has been destroyed by the law. Good. But now is being rebuilt in the gospel better. Right. Maybe, maybe as we're talking about these things and this very thing, it might be a nice bridge for us to give for for next week. And it's this: uh, uh, the the Christian martyrs realize this. Okay. Um, once again, the Christian the Christian martyrs realize that life is not survival; it's giving glory to God. Um. And it's something that as we go into next week, and Daniel realized this here too, because his life was on the line here as the interpreter of the dream. If he And he was okay with that. If God, he didn't know that God was going to for sure give him the interpretation. He was okay with that. This is what blows me away. Okay. He's in the middle of this swamp, this mire, and he, and, and, and he knows that death is, is a very, that, 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 that a gruesome death is a very distinct possibility, and he's okay with that. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's he's okay with that because he knows that he's resting on bigger shoulders. Um, again, again, like you said, um, let us focus on what it is that God has given to us to focus on. The way you usually say it is, stay in your lane. And, and, and I know yeah. sometimes we say that in, in a derogatory way because we're like, don't talk about things you're not supposed to talk about. But, but for the Christian especially, stay in your lane. Your lane is the glory of God. Your lane is to point and reflect Christ. Your lane is to, is to be the, the sound of, of gospel grace in a world filled with the law uh, and, and hurt and, and angst and fear. And you are you are the one that is is shining, reflecting that light into those dark places. Stay in your lane. <laughs> don't don't worry about the things you have no control over about or, or, or over. Stay in your lane and, and do what it is that God has given you to do. And if He wants it to work out in one way, it will. And if it's another way, it will. Because everything is to God. To Him be the glory, as you've said. So what, so what you're saying is this, we're driving down Interstate 90 in South Dakota, and most of us Christians are the idiots driving at 30 miles an hour in the fast lane and God's behind us waiting to get by? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, is more like this, and this is a story from, from one of the members out there in winter. Um, as he was, he was, he had a, an attack uh, before he had his his colon removed, he had a, had an attack, and his wife had to take him to the hospital uh, out in in uh, Sioux Falls. 
and it had been snowy and icy. And uh, as they were driving, the the car started to slip and went out of control. And uh, uh, she instantly threw up her hands off the steering wheel and covered her eyes. And uh, the member that I'm talking to remembers looking over and saying, what in God's name are you doing? And luckily they lived <laughs> through the entire thing. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's kind of what we're saying is uh, we're, we're driving in ice. <laughs> and sometimes we just have to let go. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? We're not, we're not. We're not espousing Carrie Underwood's song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Nope, nope. We're, we're espousing. Sometimes we have to realize that, that we just have to let go because no matter how you fight, it's going to get worse. Um, and it's God in control. And, and that's sometimes what it is. Um, you know, you, you can kick and scream and you can say, well, with reason I'm going to do this or, you, or with choices I'm going to do that. But, you know, in the end, God is bigger than you. And, and his will is going to always play out because it's his will. And, and he has not given you those jobs. He's not given you those responsibilities. He has said, be a light to the Gentiles. Be a, be a reflector of my son, Jesus Christ. Um, be the helper. Be the helper of your wife. Be the supporter of your husband. Um, be, the, be the father of who every now and then gets exasperated and yet clamps down on his anger so that that even though their child should have done the homework the night before, you're there five minutes before the bus picks them up trying to help them through those last couple of problems on math. That's that's your lane. And, and, and that's, the, that's the grace God has given to you, um, to, to be that for them um, so that Christ can be seen through you. And that's what I'm saying. I think I think that's a, I think that's a good way to finish, and and it'll be a good segue into next week's podcast. Well, then, until next week, when we get to pick up with Mishad Shadrach and to bed we go, um, <laughs> and and Bell Rover and Bell Rover will make a return, um, hopefully with better knees. <laughs> <laughs> we will we will see you then next week and God's blessings as you have an opportunity to live in his grace uh in his kingdom doing his work amen <laughs>